Hello and welcome to Cosmos Science Daily, where journalists at the Cosmos Newsroom report on the latest research and discoveries and explain the science behind the headline news. Today's newsroom journalist and biology graduate specialising in the human microbiome, Matilda Hansley-Davis, is talking about smell preferences with yours truly, Dr. Sophie Calabretto, applied mathematician, fluid mechanist, and hater of that sour, musty smell of a not-properly-dried towel. So, Matilda, we're unpacking smell preferences. I guess what it makes most sense to start off with is how smell actually works. Yeah, so pretty amazingly, in my opinion, there's still quite a bit of mystery surrounding how (laughs) our sense of smell or um, olfaction, as scientists like to call it, actually works. So what we know is that smell molecules called odorants, so these are, you know, just any molecule that has a smell, uh, they're inhaled into the nose. And then according to the Fifth Sense, which is a UK charity focused on helping people who are affected by smell and taste disorders, uh, humans have around 12 million olfactory receptor cells that detect smells in our nose. So the odorant molecules stimulate a receptor protein in these cells and that sends a signal along an olfactory nerve to a structure at the front of our brain called the olfactory bulb. Mm -hmm. And we actually have two of these. We have two olfactory bulbs. One is connected to each nostril. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Yep, so it makes sense so far. And the olfactory bulb processes the smell signal and sends that information to other parts of the brain. Now, one of the key parts of the brain that deals with these smell signals is the limbic system, including the amygdala and the hippocampus, which are involved in emotion and memory formation. And scientists think this is why smell is so evocative and can often trigger really strong memories and emotional responses. So I was actually wondering, Sophie, do you have any favourite smells that are associated with a memory for you? Do you know what's really funny? So I was thinking about this when I found out we are talking about smells and I would say my favourite smell ever, because I'm just a very basic person, is vanilla, right? But I don't have any good memories associated with vanilla the two smells that I can think of that actually make me think of nice things that happened in my childhood so one of them is the smell of walking into my nono and nono's kitchen as a kid and it's like you'd go over to like the stove and there were all the different smells that together made this like amazing bouquet so there was like this is the sugo and this is like where we're roasting like the potatoes and this is like the brodo or whatever The weirder one, and again, grandparent-related, was then on the other side, going to my nanny and pa's house. So we've got the Italians and then we've got the Anglos, going to the Anglos' house. And what I remember often having at my nanny and pa's house was, again, (laughs) basic. It was a promite sandwich on white bread on this little plastic plate, but alongside it I would get Woodruff's Lemonade in like an old Tupperware container kind of cup, like a Tupperware cup. And it had this old plastic smell, but Mm -hmm. the combination of Woodruff lemonade and that old plastic smell, like as you brought the cup up to your lips and sort of like merged and like you were smelling just, it just smells like happiness and childhood, like old Tupperware and like a specific brand of lemonade. And it's weird, right? So I guess the way that you've explained it to me, it does kind of make sense that all of these things in the brain are linked. And so the fact that these smells trigger these like really nice emotional responses when I'm essentially saying old plastic makes me happy sometimes. 
Yeah, that's so amazing. Um, I couldn't really think of any specific memories, but I'm a big lip balm addict. So uh, I yeah. wear lip balm all the time and I tend to kind of, you know, mix up the, the brand or the scent. So I definitely find that if I open an old container or if I open a new lip balm again that I haven't worn for a while, it really brings back memories of the last time I was wearing that like flavor, you know? Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean exactly. Okay. So do we, do we know how these things, things are linked, how these molecules interact with the, with the receptors? Like I'm, I'm still kind of confused as to why plastic makes me happy. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if I can answer that for you, but what I thought was really fascinating when I was researching smell was that, yes, going back to those receptors, we don't really understand exactly <laughs> how they work. So we say, okay, the odorant molecule stimulates the receptor and it sends a signal to your brain. But Scientists don't really know, as far as I can tell, how that stimulation happens. Like, what is the interaction between the receptor and the odorant? So some people think it might be like the shape of the molecule fitting into the receptor in the the correct way. Some people say it might be like the odorant is vibrating at a certain frequency, which I don't, I don't even quite understand. It's something to do with the combination of the shape of the molecule and like its mass or how heavy it is. Um, But yeah, as far as I could tell, we actually don't know that like fundamental um, explanation of the process. We just kind of know how it affects us. That's crazy. And you think for something that is so crucial to a lot of people as a sense of smell, I just, I love it when we hit these things in science and it's, as you said, we're just not 100% sure, even though this is something that kind of impacts us on a daily basis. Like we rely on it for a lot of things. So, okay, yeah. I presume that we're talking about smell because there has been a new study that has to do with smell, surely. Yes, <laughs> you'd be right there. <laughs> and so um, and what did, this, what did this new study show? What have they done? Do we understand a little bit more how these things interact or is this just something completely different? Um, well, it's a little bit different. So they they weren't looking at the odorant receptor interaction exactly, but it was a study led by some, an, well, an international team of researchers led by um, the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And they were interested in understanding if the smells that we find pleasant or unpleasant are universal across all humans or if they're shaped by our cultural background. So like where we grew up or what kind of um, smellscapes is the word, what kind of range of smells we've been exposed to or learned about yeah, uh, because of our cultural background. Yeah, I mean, I love this so far. And one, I love the word smellscape. I think it's the <laughs> my favourite thing that's happened today. But two, yeah, I guess my favourite smells or the ones that bring back those memories are the ones that are really associated with quite a unique experience of mine. And so it would be really interesting to know that. So I presume, okay, so we're we're now looking at whether or not smells or smell preferences are influenced by cultural backgrounds. So I presume they went and got a whole diverse range of people and tested smells. Yeah, exactly. So they worked with people from 10 different populations or groups around the Mm -hmm. world, actually across three continents. So North America, South America and Asia. Okay. And these different groups had a really wide range of lifestyles. So there were people, I guess, most similar to you and me living in industrialized cities like Mm -hmm. New York and Mexico City and um, cities in Thailand There were hunter-gatherers living in both tropical rainforest environments and coastal environments in Asia and North America, and there were people living 
traditional agricultural lifestyles and then a mix of the above. So some people who do some hunting and fishing, but they also grow some crops. So really wide range of different you know, strategies for how you eat and live your life and also where you are in the world. And they took 235 people from across these 10 communities and gave them 10 different odour molecules to sniff and rank from the most pleasant to the least pleasant and then compared the rankings. Well, firstly, I'm very pleased that they went to such an effort to get a diverse range of people. Like they're actually testing this hypothesis as best they can. So now let's talk about how you get, how do you give people odor molecules to sniff? How does this all work? Yeah, it's it's so interesting, Sophie. So they used a product which is hilariously called Sniffin Sticks uh, with the the N apostrophe. So sniffin, not so sniffing, not, not sniffing, sniffing sticks. No. Sniffin. I got out my sniffin snit snick sniffin <laughs> stick and I did some sniffin. Exactly. Um, And so what these are, they're an odour dispensing device that looks a bit like a felt tip pen. So if you imagine like, you know, a a texter, I guess, a pen, you take off the cap and there's that kind of, you know, felt tip, like porous felt tip thing. Yeah. That is where the scent is kind of stored. So the odour molecules are diluted in a mineral oil and they're kind of impregnated into the tip of that pen-like thing and you take the lid off and and stiff it and then you can you know they stay they keep the smell I guess yeah like with a permanent marker when you're not meant to take the top off and sniff it it's kind of yeah it's just like that and so what okay so speaking of permanent markers what kind of smells (laughs) did they have yeah so uh, there were 10 different ones Um, a couple were vanillin which is the main component in vanilla and I think it's very interesting that you said that was your favorite smell because there's a bit of foreshadowing of the results of this study actually Uh Um, but another example was ethyl butyrate which smells kind of like uh, pineapple or peach like fruity kind of smell Um, and another one was isovaleric acid which is said to smell like sweaty feet (laughs) okay that's disgusting you know I guess if you're ranking from most to least you know favorable you've got to have some gross smells in there Um, yeah you've got to look at the spectrum that's true and and so what did they find yeah so it's really interesting actually they found that people from all the different groups tended to rank the smells in a pretty similar order so they weren't sort of wildly different in you know oh there's this one culture that actually loves the smell of isovaleric acid (laughs) or sweaty feet (laughs) yeah um so overall vanillin was the most popular scent and isovaleric acid the least popular oh i'm so average um okay but that's okay so vanilla most was the favorite and then sweaty feet least favorite yeah on average around this like this huge diversity of people which is really fascinating um and so this suggests that our preferences for different smells may actually be pretty universal across all humans or at least they don't seem to be largely shaped by something we've learned through our cultural background okay so they were looking at that in particular do we know what does affect our smell preference then if, if sort of location and cultural background doesn't seem to affect it? Yeah, well, they have some ideas. They looked at some other factors as well. So there's still quite a bit of variation between individuals. So even though on average, you know, most people like vanilla the best, it doesn't mean everyone, you know, some people hate vanilla. I have friends who um, hate <laughs> vanilla and I have vanilla scent diffusers in my house. And they, and you know what? It's that, That's just the way the cookie crumbles. If you come to Sophie's <laughs> house, you have to smell vanilla. 
yeah fair enough fair enough um yeah so like of course that's logical we all have slightly different preferences yeah but what this shows is it seems more likely that those preferences spring from our own innate individuality somehow maybe it's you know associated with our genetics um it's not something that we learn from the culture around us as we're growing up right so that's really interesting. Another thing that the researchers suggested might be in play was the actual molecular structure of the odor molecule mm-hmm. that might be affecting, you know, whether we like it or not. And they created a machine learning model to test this idea. So they built a model using information about 466 other odor molecules okay. that had previously been ranked in terms of how pleasant they are by a group of people living in the US, so kind of earlier research. And what they did with the model is they were trying to get it to learn what molecular structures tend to be ranked by people as more or less pleasant and then be able to predict afterwards once it had learned so you could say to the model here's an odor molecule that you haven't seen before here's its molecular structure can the model predict how pleasant people will find the smell yeah okay so then they tested that model on the 10 odor molecules they had initially looked at in the experiment so the vanillin etc and they found that the model's prediction of how pleasant people would find the smell correlated strongly with their actual experimental results so that's supporting the idea that the actual molecular structure might be driving whether we find a smell good or bad. There you go. Okay, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much, Matilda. I never thought that I'd have such fun talking about smells and sniffing sticks. And um, <laughs> But, yeah, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening at home. So be sure to keep an ear out for our next instalment of Cosmos Science Daily. This podcast was brought to you by Cosmos, a publication of the Royal Institution of Australia. 